Okay, so you've won the uh, the All Valley Karate Tournament. You have traveled to Japan uh, for your mentor's uh, uh, to see your mentor's home uh, and where he came from, and you have stopped your old rival's master's like ponytailed friend from things. What do you do next? I guess you travel around the world chasing a tiny floating shrine that they never explain in the show. We're talking about Karate Kid, the animated series. Everybody and welcome back to your new favorite show. Oh, it's a new month, gang, and it's a new topic of conversation. This month, we are talking about some of the wildest, weirdest cartoon adaptations of, of movies that you didn't see coming. And we're starting off with The Karate Kid, the animated series. My name is Drew, and of course, I could not do this alone. I brought in my good buddy. My partner in crime, Miles, how are you, friend? I'm <laughs> I am um confused. I am bemused, and I am fairly entertained <laughs> by yeah. what we watched this week. I so part of the impetus of doing this specific series, and we'll probably this will be another one I think we'll bring back uh once I make Drew watch some movies. Um <laughs> was that <laughs> There is a propensity, especially in the 80s and early 90s, to make animated series based off of feature films that really are confounding <laughs> as to why. And so because while The Karate Kid is a beloved classic and I mean, I watched it as a kid, I loved it as a kid. I get I get how you get from point A to point B. Unfortunately, this is usually where we'd have this nice long intro of the history. I could not find anything other than this was uh, produced by Deke Enterprises, who produced most of everyone's childhood, Saban Entertainment and Columbia Pictures Television, obviously. And it was originally supposed to be a daily syndicated show with 65 episodes, 65 episodes, which is only shocking when you learn that the show only had 13 episodes. 13. <laughs> <laughs> and what's interesting is from the kind of reviews of the time that I could I could kind of piece through, people were still kind of somewhat impressed by the show. I mean, the the animation was pretty well regarded for the time, and it had a little bit of a through thread in parts because, yes, as Drew mentioned in the show's intro, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi have joined up with a girl named Taki to seek out these a shrine a magical shrine that has been stolen from her village and this is something that is only said in passing and i'm saying this before we even get to talk about the show i just want to talk about how amusing this is this is the central conceit of the show and in most adaptations of even movies they will kind of reintroduce the concept of everything not the karate kid no. we start in medias race they are they are canoeing down a river 
and looking for a shrine. We have no idea why. It it honestly took me about two episodes to figure out, oh, this is what the show is about. The only reason I knew what the show was about is because of the research I had done before watching the show. Uh, so uh, uh, according to the research that we have done, there is a Miyagi-Do temple, a tiny little temple that was in Okinawa that that has magic powers and it's small like a little statue and it was taken from okinawa and its magic powers have kind of taken it around the planet so mr miyagi daniel san and taki have teamed up to chase it from location to location this is i mean maybe it's said in the other 10 episodes that we did not watch but this is never said in the show at all it is hinted at in the opening sequence but the words of what they are actually doing never stated never and i think that's what the wild thing i mean because first of all like i said that yes this this show was definitely up or this this uh this film was an important part of a lot of kids lives people love the karate kid so again i get how you get from point a to point b my thing is still point b is a karate kid cartoon and it still kind of confounds me that it exists. Yeah, because because it's not it's not Daniel San taking on bullies and well, one episode is, but it's not him taking on like, you know, street toughs and things like that. In the in the first episode here, they're taking on a a a, a, a tribal chief that has turned himself into a, a jaguar. <laughs> like, well, yeah, so. A lot of the movie, a lot of the movie based animated shows strayed very far from the actual films. And a lot of times they would they would adapt some sort of action adventure setting. This is honestly very, very similar to like a Johnny Quest type show. And. What's wild to me is they they still keep some of the things about the karate kid, which is depending on the story, Daniel has forgotten his karate. (laughs) <laughs> and and in other parts of the story, he can karate kick a tree down. Yeah. The, in the first episode, <laughs> he looks like a legitimate superhero. And then two episodes later, he's like Daniel before Miyagi teaches him. It's it's wild. And <laughs> so the choice of having something. And again, I watch a lot of. I watch a lot of watch a slice. Of, I watch a lot of slice of life anime. So I, I say this knowing it's kind of hypocritical, but for the, for, especially for the time, an animated show where it's just a bunch of regular people kind of doing regular things with the exception of what, yeah, we're adding a fantastical element is still a wild choice to me. Yeah. Uh, like so- it's just called the karate kid. And you know, I, I know what the karate kid is, you know, the karate, everyone from that, that time period of 89, when the show came out in conjunction with uh, the karate kid part three, they knew what the karate kid was, but what's wild is that someone thought, OK, but what if we made a cartoon show out of this? <laughs> and the, the with the magical powers of karate. Uh, so this show, do, we do. I do want to talk about the three stars of the show. So we do have Daniel LaRusso, Daniel San, not mm-hmm. played by Ralph Macchio in, in this series, played by Joey DiDio, who is uh, he does not have a a ton of of credits that I can find. But the biggest credit that that most people would know is he was the character of Wheeler uh, on the uh, TV series Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Wheeler, who was the 
fire of earth, fire, wind, yes. water, heart. Um, Wait, wasn't he the Irish kid without the Irish accent? No, he had like red hair and like he was American. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think he had an accent, but he's from I think it wasn't he from Ireland. I could have sworn he was from America because they Maybe needed to is. have an I don't American know. It's been, kid. It's been so long since I've watched that show. Because and... it was the American kid who was fire. Wind was the the Russian girl. Um, Maybe he was just Catholic. I just remember there was an episode that takes place like during the Troubles. And that he had strong feelings about whatever was going on. Yeah, he's from Brooklyn. We might need to revisit Captain Planet at some point because I don't remember that at all. Oh, yeah, they're like, it was an episode that was like kind of political just because it was like about things that was going on at the point. But I remember like them going through like this whole thing about like, because I guess the the topic of the day obviously was hate and it was about the Catholics and Protestants, I think, or the IRA or something. I, I, have, I, have, I only have a very limited memory and I'm pretty sure like the episode, of, if I recall correctly, was kind of violent. We, but it's it's I mean, I'm, ta- I'm 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 going off a memory from a show that aired almost 30 years ago. So I I literally have not seen it since uh, then, but I do remember an episode is, about the troubles. It is episode 60, 64, uh, season three, episode 12. If it's doomsday, this must be Belfast. Uh, where the planeteers go on separate Yikes. missions across the world uh, to to prevent the de- detonation of three separate nuclear bombs in in three major conflict zones between war- warring factions. Uh, one of them is in South Africa. One of this them is in Northern Ireland, and one of them is in Israel. So, um, back to that. That th- okay? That's a a giant leap from like you know some 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 obviously uh domestic up up uh, unrest to let's give one side a nuclear weapon <laughs> yeah anyway back to the karate kid um i don't know i, I kind of want to focus on this, this episode now um so oh, well, although i would say that uh the karate kid while while entertaining and i would i would assume uh innocent in its intent is just as problematic as well, said Captain Planet episode. <laughs> problematic in other ways. So we also have uh, Taki, a new character uh, from the series, seems to be from Okinawa, but is not a character previously established, as far as I can tell from any of the movies. Uh, Which is wild to me, because this is released in conjunction with Karate Kid Part 3. I don't know how... how I don't know. Well, let, me, let me double check real quick, just to to see if if the film had come out before. So the film came out in June of that year and the series, I think, came out that fall. Yeah. So they were definitely produced yeah. at the same time, but there doesn't seem to be so, any connection. Well, I was going to say you could explain, you know, what happened to I think I think it was Yumi in the second film. I think uh, is is uh, the love interest's name. Yuki, Yuki, Yuki. Um, because she goes with with Miyagi and Daniel. So you have you have a way to have this character and you can at least start to explain what happened. Because I don't think she's in Karate Kid Part Three. I, I don't believe so. Um, uh, so. But I haven't seen Karate Kid Three, so that's uh, another thing. Uh, but uh, Taki is played it's been by so long. Yeah. Uh, Taki is played by a, an actress named Janice Kawaii, who has so many voice roles speaking 
of Captain Planet and the Planeteer. She is uh, the voice of of Guy. Is it Guy or G? Guy. Guy. I can't remember. Gee. It's been a long time. Um, this does appear to be her first actual credit, which is which is pretty, pretty wild. But um, or at least her first voice credit. She was in Dorothy meets Ozma of Oz uh, a live act. It was a TV movie about <laughs> uh, uh, about where she played Dorothy, which is wild. Um, that's, that's she's been in Teen Titans. She's been in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. She's been in Bleach. She's been in Blood Plus. She's been in Doc McStuffins. Young Justice, Magus XLR, so many things, but she is probably Who is she known, in Young Justice. Uh, she is. Uh, I think she was only in one episode of Young Justice. Mm. Uh, although she's in Young Justice Invasion, which is the one of the more recent series. Um, but her, some of her biggest roles were she was uh, number 83 and number 84 in Codename Kids Next Door. And she was Ami in the animated series. Hi, hi, Puffy Ami Yumi. Yeah, uh, which uh, hi hi Puffy Yami Yumi show, uh, which Puffy Yami Yumi was the band that did the Teen Titans theme song, uh, and then got their own cartoon spinoff as a result. Um, and then last but not least, Mr. Miyagi, voiced by uh, an actor named Robert Ito, uh, who is a Canadian actor of of Japanese ancestry. He's got a lot of work going back into the seventies and sixties. Uh, a lot of TV work, a lot of, uh, you know, he's been on Mannix. He was on Kung Fu, Get Smart, uh, he, a, a number a number of other things. But he has a, a lot of TV uh, guest roles uh, in in animated series voice work. He was the Mandarin in the old Iron Man cartoon in the 90s. He was uh, he's 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 on another uh, another TV series that we're going to watch as part of this, which is pretty funny. Uh, I don't want to spoil and yeah, uh, yeah, don't spoil it. he's been on just a number of other things, including Avatar, The Last Airbender, also Teen Titans, uh, the animated Justice League series. Uh, and he played Harry Kim's dad in the Star Trek Voyager episode author author. Uh, in one Which of is two, the, what I know him from the most <laughs> in one of two uh, Star Trek roles. Uh, and dude is 90. He has had a long, uh, long life and a long career. And uh, it's pretty. It's pretty wild, but I, I believe he has been retired for a number of years now just because I mean, his last credit, I guess he was 2010. So. And before we get into the the contents of the series itself, which, you know, is is a varying degree of quality, I will say the voice work in this is pretty stellar and often features people that even if you don't like, oh, that's so and so, you know, the voice. There are so many times when I just didn't bother to look up who it was, but I'm like, oh, I, I know this voice. A hundred percent know this I, voice. I, I'm pretty sure. um the 90s cartoon Spider-Man is uh, is in this first episode. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I heard Pete from Goof Troop in a Goofy movie. Yeah. And I, I mean, there, there's a lot of things you'll hear. I'm like, oh, I know that voice. Oh, so, Pete, I mean, Pete, and, and is, I, the, Pete, Pete is the uh, is the bad guy in the first in the first yes. episode. Yes, 100 yes. percent. Um, and so not only that, but the animation is pretty good because a lot of american animation in the 80s even though we all have a fond memory for it is a little jittery you know it's a it's a little you know the, the frames per second they didn't put a lot of money in a lot of these shows and the karate kid is actually pretty decently animated for a network saturday morning cartoon it is and um 
I have to say about the music in this show, um, this music is as if Seinfeld was an action movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has the same sort of, but like with an action movie. It's what was used in almost every 80s action cartoon, because especially when you went to commercials, like, and then when it came back, you'd be like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's the same same movements as, as a lot. Of, we saw a lot of Transformers when we did More Than Meets July. And I, I think that trend, I mean, is is present in most shows in the 80s. So we have our core, our core trio of Daniel, Taki and Mr. Miyagi. And the, the interesting thing is, while um, Robert Ito voices Mr. Miyagi, Pat Morita does the intro for every single episode of this show. Yeah, I think there's one that he doesn't do the intro for, but he does a little does a little talking over the the opening before the music kicks in to kind of set up Tell you what the what, episode's going to be out. set up yeah. what the episode's going to be. And I, I do have to say this was 1988, 1989. That that they cast two actors of Japanese descent to play the two Japanese characters in this cartoon is a little ahead of its time. I have to say that before. I mean, yes, before I, I say that that, that such care was not else, taken for anything else in this show. Because everything else that has to do with another culture is who oh boy. Ooh, That's all I can say is yeah. who boy. Who boy. So let's get into episode one. Because we only watched three episodes of this, just to get a little taste. Episode yes. one, my brother's called keeper, my brother's keeper. Which there are no siblings in this. At no. least if there were, that was cut out of the episode. <laughs> I mean, maybe they maybe they meant that uh, the kid was like a spiritual brother for Daniel. That could be. Um, and that, I mean, and that might be, that might be giving it too much credit. It might just be a BS title, but everything else that we watch, the, the title makes sense. Yeah. So so my brother's keeper, uh, we start in South America where a, a teenager from uh, the the local Shuar tribe has found the shrine uh, and he's on, uh, and he's on the run from from because he's been outcast from his village because he is technically the rightful leader of the village, but he's not in charge of the village and another guy uh is is in charge of the village but this episode's a little bit of a mess as far as what is actually happening uh, and i don't honestly remember exactly why things are the way they are or what makes him the the actual leader of the village in the first place uh but of course as part of this he realizes that he can use the shrine to give himself power to fight the bad guy but then the bad guy gets the shrine and uses power to turn into a jaguar that Mr. Miyagi fights. It's uh, it's wild. It is yeah. honestly wild. Um, and so I I started this uh ep- watching this episode, questioning what is actually happening here, uh, and I repeat that because again yeah. <laughs> this show mentions nothing we open to taki and mr miyagi and daniel like oh we've gotten word that the 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 shrine is over here what shrine i don't know yeah, so they have a list that we don't know where it came from and 
they also seem to only get places by boat. Yeah, they do a lot of boat travel. <laughs> but what worries me is like they they pop up to uh, I'm not sure where exactly. Oh, they're in Hong Kong in the second episode and they just like pop up by like little canoe. They, they pop they pop onto the pier. And I, I'm like, wait, did you go from South America to Hong Kong in well, that? So, I, so I, I don't understand how they're because even when they come back to America, they've gotten off some weird boat. But the boat in America, they actually explain. Because when yeah, they, they get to America, that one. when they when they, get don't, to, they don't explain the South America to Hong Kong part where they just arrive like in, in South America, they're on a raft, I think. Yeah, they're on a, they're in they're in like a little raft that ends up getting destroyed and they make it they make their own boat by the end of the movie by the end of the episode, um, which is not the boat they roll up into Hong Kong with. No, it's not, because uh, how could they get to Hong Kong from? That's what I'm asking. The rivers of South America. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess technically if they made it to the sh- to, to the coast, they could get to Hong Kong from there, but. There's a lot we don't see, basically, gang. There's a lot we don't see. There are some questions that honestly shouldn't even matter to me, but yeah. for some reason are like burning in the back of my mind. That, it's like, was, OK, that was the thing when they got to episode three and they explained that they had been working on a fishing boat crew to get from wherever they were to New York City. Now, that can't have been from Hong, Hong Kong. Kong to New York no. City. <laughs> of course not. Now, again, I, mean, I understand that cartoons are cartoons. I, I get that. But there is there seems to be it's not as, you know, it's not like Pirates of Darkwater, which was an American show that had an ongoing story that had. I mean, now you're we're used to it. But in the 80s, you didn't. You At the end of the episode, everything restarts. Yeah. And so here. It's not that it restarts. They don't necessarily always talk about what's happened in the prior episode, but there seems to be some forward movement because they're still looking for the this, this one particular shrine. Yeah. And so so far in the three episodes that we watched, you know, we see a different shrine, a different magic shrine. No, no it's the same in... magic shrine, just in different places. Wait, is, is it? Because the shrine disappears at the end of every episode. They're following the one shrine across what the, the hell is happening in the show. Yeah. So. So. OK, so I, for, I didn't pick up on that. I'm dumb. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, you're not. But you just missed that huge, important detail uh, that the shrine disappears every time and they have a different way for it disappearing every time. So in the first episode, the shrine shows up in South America. We learn a lesson and, and Daniel it tries to become the teacher of 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 this kid uh in this in this episode and holly is that his name yeah and and attempts to to teach him karate to be able to stand up for himself and he thinks he's failed but miyagi actually kind of teaches him the lesson that you know at, at a certain point it's no longer the teacher's responsibility the the student has to has to to take their steps on their own and Honestly, and learn the lessons and learn the lessons. And honestly, I kind of like that story beat. No, it works. The, the for story me. beat is excellent. <laughs> no, this, and what's wild is like, because I really. I, I look, Mr. Miyagi is a great character and he's a very fun character in this show. It also suffers from being, you know, the magical foreign person. And because Mr. Miyagi is Batman. Yeah. If so Batman were like extremely like spitting out platitudes as if 
it came from a manufactured, you know, honestly, a fortune cookie company, because that's all he says are, are these things. It's it's really, really, really weird. But but also then, they capture they capture the Mr. Miyagi essence for, of Pat Morita with the little animated smirks that he gets when he says things. Yes. And it works and out that's, really well. That's what's so frustrating <laughs> about this is because there's some parts where like they make him this like this magical form person who can like we see Mr. Miyagi kick a tree trunk in half. He kicks a tree trunk in half. He fights and wins a fight with an alligator. He he Yeah, that seems great. <laughs> a a a jaguar that is actually the evil leader of this this tribe. <laughs> he kicks in the stomach. That leaps at him and he does a karate move to throw him away. Like Mr. Miyagi is magical in this, yes. in this show. Yes. Um, which is part of part, only part of, of some of the problematic nature of the show. But yes, he does all, they do also do a good job of capturing the essence of Mr. Miyagi. And that's what makes this show so interesting because it does some of these things where you're like, all right, this is wild. But then, like you said, that smirk or when he says certain things, especially his penchant for those bad jokes, it's for especially for the cartoon works so well. Like he he the, goes off into the woods to find the shrine and and Daniel and, and Taki are like, where are you going, Mr. Miyagi? And, Mi- and Miyagi says he'll be back in time for dinner. And when he tracks them, he finds them and 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 they have helped with with this with this kid that they have met have caught and are cooking fish and he's like ah just in time for dinner (laughs) yes like there are moments in this in this show where the writing is really good and i hate that the writing is really good well no i don't i don't hate the writing is good i i honestly i wish the writing the, the thing was, you can tell it was probably some good writers who were also knew exactly what they were writing for. And so they kind of leaned into the fact they were writing a kid's show yeah. in the 80s. And I I wish it wasn't because, yeah, there's some I mean, if you had turned this into a live action series and, and use some of the elements, you could I mean, you could make the case for a, I mean, clearly you can make the case for a live action karate kid series we're on season four of cobra kai Wait, there's a live action karate kid series what are you talking about <laughs> uh, but so, yeah but so so let's talk about episode two um episode two uh which i think is the most problematic episode um it's, yeah actually because i mean the, the third one's just making fun of new jersey and you know it, well I, I think the third episode is problematic I mean, that's, a, that's a that's a saturday night on snl i mean yeah i, I think the third episode is problematic in a very different way oh 100 <laughs> percent. but we'll get there we'll get there so the the second episode uh is takes place in hong kong um but i but there's stuff that i really like about this episode like the costuming shows up a lot like uh daniel is wearing uh uh kind of like a red karate gi that's got the Miyagi-Do logo on the back like they've got and it mm-hmm. looks pretty good they've, they've got stuff like that but once they once they get to Hong Kong they're looking for a guy named Tanaka which is typically a Japanese name uh well Tanaka has a bunch of kids uh that have Chinese names and they're all talking about karate <laughs> it's like it seemed like it was in that weird thing where everything asian was kind of the same yeah. and uh yeah 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 but um 
But in terms of to, to bring back what to what you were saying, and I'm and, and I don't want anyone to think I'm glossing over this. We we have made a point to talk about that this show is very insensitive, especially in a modern context. But even then, I think it got some criticism from uh, from people. The the story beats are interesting because there's this this street gang, this crime gang known as the Dragon, that is terrorizing this this uh, part of Hong Kong. And so you have Miyagi's old friend and I guess his students or children who are standing up against the dragon. And obviously, I mean, that sounds like the plot of almost any martial arts movie from the 80s. I mean, it's probably one of the No, no Retreat, No Surrender movies. <laughs> sure. You, you know, um, um, I did but, say the Hong Kong skyline as they've animated it looks really good. It is very identifiably yeah. Hong Kong. Well, this this I think this episode best shows off some of the animation because the shrine does more interesting things in this one. Uh, in this episode, the shrine grants its holders kind of uh, wish powers. And, you know, like one of the kids wishes for or, or wants to be able to beat the the dragons and becomes kind of like this little superhuman character and they get different abilities and i thought that was a cool touch it's yeah it's very well animated and well and and again outside outside i mean outside of its problematic nature is a pretty decent episode about community it's about community and it's about fighting with words and with actions instead of fighting with fists Which is and, 100% which a is, lesson that Miyagi would teach Daniel. Yeah, so, so so the whole point of this episode is that you have the dragon that's kind of running this section of Hong Kong. The people don't like it, but they can't do anything about it because they're, 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 they don't have any power. So Daniel believes that he can, can uh, uh, rally the people and he and, and uh, Tanaka's daughter team up to kind of make all these signs. They're protesting and they're walking down the streets saying you know dragons go home we don't like the dragons we don't want the dragons um they don't do it in quite the same way i did it which is a little problematic (laughs) but you know uh but 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 when they get to where the dragons are and daniel's about to fight uh like to send them out because like oh we can beat you because we got numbers and he looks behind them and everybody's run home like that that works and and through this episode the kids Tanaka's kids get their hands on the the shrine and they make themselves super strong and they fight the dragon's people and they don't they learn they don't want to give up the shrine because if they give up the shrine they will give up their power that they have to fight but by giving up the shrine and seeing Daniel and Taki and and Reina when she doesn't use when she doesn't have powers because the shrine also falls into the hands of the bad guys it does in every episode of the show so far they learn a lesson yep. that together they can they can fight it's not a one on one thing it's together they can fight this thing and by the end of the episode they're leading another protest except this time everybody's on board because they've proven that they can stand up to to the dragon and it's one of those things that it's a story plot point that for 1989 works really well. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, and that that's that's the the two sides of this coin is on one hand, there are some extremely insensitive things that this cartoon does. And it's just part. And I, and I know this sounds like I'm being like I'm shrugging you off, but it is very much a part of. How American entertainment depicted things at the time oh 100 i mean i'm 
I am I am not condoning it. I am just saying that 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 is present here. One hundred percent. I mean, the whole, and, ba- you know, the whole basis of the Karate Kid original movie was that yeah, an old yeah, Japanese yeah. man teaches teaches uh, right, Daniel Sun right, how to right, use right. mystical <laughs> karate. To- it's it's always been there for <laughs> sure, for sure. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I want people to because I don't want to be like, hey, this has some really good stuff in it. And someone see it I'm like, oh, this is kind of mm. and I mean, because it is it 100 percent is. But there's also some good stuff in here. And. You know, I think you can be the judge for yourself of whether or not this is going to to upset you or or at least make you uncomfortable. And because I I, I definitely think episode two, 100 percent, even though there is some great stuff about community, I think they're I think the writers were trying to, to do something interesting. It's just also unfortunate in how the show proceeded to do those things. Yeah, I mean, you you have on one hand, Mr. Miyagi straight up pants and dudes that were that were messing with a shopkeeper which is great (laughs) but then you have them having to go through a sewer and the sewer ladder leads right into somebody's dirt floored kitchen which is like Mm. i don't like this this is hong kong that's not what hong kong is uh yeah i um, it, now, it's, uh, there's uh, there's also this is unrelated it's just something that i just, just brought to my mind um because I, I i took a note because it happened at least twice i couldn't remember if it's in the third one but i'm pretty sure it is in the third episode at least once in every episode miyagi goes where i come from oh, dot, dot, yeah. Dot. yeah and i honestly i love that so much <laughs> uh, i i love it's always like the bad guys doing something and and it's it's always in a like a where I come from, we treat people with respect, not like that, but like he, you know, the customer's always right or something like that. Yeah. You know, because at one point they're saving this man's antique shop and it's, yeah, so far I think, I think it's in every episode where Bianca just goes, where I come from, because they're in a different space. Maybe they didn't do it in, in this one because he's, you know, technically, you know, living in America at the time of this uh, show. I, but. I, I I also have to say how much I love the 80s-ness of this show. Uh, notably in this episode, uh, the bad guy's office just has a pool table in it because that that's such a a a people with money in the 80s. They had pool tables. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes, uh, I I also love that just like in the movie, I commented on this way back when when we did Karate Kid part one and two. Did we do that or did we just do Cobra Kai? I watched those movies. No, we did one and two. We talked. Okay, about okay. Um, Daniel's a little bit of a of a prima donna and a little bit of a d bag. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I, I've said this. I mean, I know there's some like YouTube hot takes where, like Daniel's the bully of Karate Kid Part One. No, but he is as culpable. And I, I like that 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 Cobra Kai has kind of explored that a little bit where like Daniel's also a little bit of a toolbox. And yeah. I'm glad that the show is kind of calling that out because I think you and Patrick were like, no, you're you're wrong. Uh, when we were just talking about the first movie, because I was just like, Daniel kind of sucks. <laughs> I mean, he's definitely not good at karate in that first movie, but that's a whole other thing. That's mm-hmm. what... And Let... he forgets all of it in the second movie, which yeah. is what happens in episode three, because in Homecoming, Daniel returns to New Jersey for the first time in, I guess, several years. Yeah, because because we don't know exactly when. This movie or the series is set, 
Daniel certainly doesn't have to go to school. Um, I don't think he's on oh, summer break. He didn't in the second. Well, he was in summer break in the second one, wasn't he? Or was he about to go to college in the second one? I don't remember. <laughs> no, because the third one, there's another All Valley tournament. I do not remember. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't matter because it's a cartoon. Does not matter. Yeah. Uh, but they, they yeah, because like, where's where's Daniel's mom okaying this uh, this jaunt around the world? Well, she was fine with him going to Okinawa with Mr. Miyagi, and I think he's no, he snuck off. Oh, she she didn't seem bothered by it in Cobra Kai. So, <laughs> well, yeah, because it's been thirty years. <laughs> She's not. Gonna, oh, you know, I'll be right back, when, just like you came back from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so so we're back in in we land in New York City, and as I mentioned at the top of the the episode or earlier in the episode, I love that they actually explain how they got there. They have been crewing a fishing boat for the last several still weeks do not buy as part of, at all uh, as, as part of how they have paid their way to get to new york to again tracking the the shrine because i will say in the first episode the shrine hits the river and disappears goes down a waterfall in the second episode it gets thrown in a fountain that somehow dissolves the <laughs> somehow dissolves the 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 drain in the fountain and disappears into the ocean <laughs> Uh, and in this episode, it has now found its way to New York City, uh, specifically New Jersey, uh, which yes. is not part of New York um, City. It's a different place, but they're next to each other. And, and, and I guess during that time, like New, <laughs> this part of New Jersey has become it feels like it's almost like i came home to a post-apocalyptic wasteland like everyone i knew has grown up in punks and they're they're stealing everything and and everyone's just like gone wrong like like daniel's uh middle school bully has a spider tattoo on his hand like what is up with and like tries to actively murder him a couple times and so this and, episode and, and not, not to not let's let's talk a little bit about the the uh the the tina in the room this episode is the most uncomfortable that i have been it, watching this cartoon yeah it's it's very uncomfortable so, i was not okay with most of this at all so let's talk about the main story okay. and then let's talk about what happens in it so in this they have tracked they have tracked the the shrine to New York City, they break into a warehouse uh, which is full of fish that they hide in fish crates, and they are going to reek of fish for weeks. And I cannot believe that they did that. Gross, ooh, gross. Um, to find out that the shipment has already been gone, and that the shrine is somewhere in an antique shop in New York City, that they have a list of antique shops that they had stuff delivered to. So that's their goal. Along the way, Daniel decides to call uh, his his old. Uh, pizza place boss to let them mr. stay tony. with them mr tony uh and sort of remin reminisces about his his old his old life in new jersey before he moved to california with with tina his first girlfriend which they say a lot but they also mentioned that he was like 12 on their first date so i don't know uh and well they they've laid in the tram to chili dog so you know yeah gross <laughs> Um, but 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 now she is with the bully of the same era brick which is a full-on bully name brick yeah uh who is stealing things they're they rob a subway 
<laughs> in order to get enough money to buy parts for Brick's motorcycle so he can start start uh, racing his motorcycle and making some real money. And uh, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, um, let's get into the problematic nature of this. Oh, gosh. Um, this is. Where, where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the gaslighting? Do you want to start with the abusive behavior? All I of mean, this. Like, like this is literally like Stockholm syndrome, gaslighting. hundred oh, percent. Textbook abuse stuff for people who are. 17 i don't know how old they I don't, are i don't know how they're old because i mean so this is after the second movie so daniel has got to be a little bit older i i want to say you're right i think he was supposed to go to college in in the at, at least around the second one so or he's looking at college i honestly don't remember he's a legal adult i would assume and yeah, I, I th- he also looks th- so Brick looks at like 45 <laughs> for one. And Tina went from being a little 12 year old to being 28 who smokes a lot. Yeah, yeah. And in the 80s. And so. Because she looks so much older than Daniel. <sighs> she does. But then they also. When they age them down for the flashback sequence, Daniel looks like a full on kid and she looks like a teenager. It's really strange. I don't. It's yeah. It, the whole thing's a little odd. And also, I know we. I, so. All right. So in. Older cartoons, much through oh, through all the 80s and through honestly still even and now sometimes a lot of cartoons kept their characters in the same thing every single episode, which is fine. It's whatever. I just. After a while, especially in episode three, why is Daniel wearing that freaking headband everywhere? He, he has to wear the headband. It's funny that you mentioned this. He has to wear the headband to identify that he's Daniel son, the karate kid. But what you'll notice and you'll notice in this episode specifically, he has two different outfits on in this in this episode. He changes clothes in this episode and they they don't obviously don't show him change of clothes but he starts off in a white shirt then he's back in the red karate gi with the miyagi-do logo on the back he changes clothes i wonder if it was just two animation teams who didn't communicate i don't know could be (laughs) could be um and this one this one has some good uh some good miyagi moments because so the secret to mr tony's like sweetbread is that he keeps bees and makes his own honey, which for some reason are kept in the back of the pizza truck. They kept it. So this pizza truck bothered me so much. Oh yeah. This pizza, this this thing was a rolling Chekhov's gun. It wasn't even that. Okay. So miles, when you want a pizza, Mm -hmm. how do you order a pizza? I'll be typically with an app. (laughs) Well, how did you order a pizza in the late 80s, early 90s? Oh, you had you had to do the whole anxiety ridden thing of calling the place and talking to another human, which was the worst experience when mom said, oh, you want to get pizza? All right, go ahead and call them. Yeah. Okay. that was the worst experience that 12 year old me could think of. And I know that sounds like, okay, well, you should have had worse experiences. But for someone with social anxieties, Talking to another human that I did not know for the purpose of a business transaction was mortifying. Okay, 
So when that pizza was delivered, how was it delivered? By a person. I don't, I'm By a person in a car with sure. your pizza. Yeah. It wasn't a person in a van with every single pizza deliver ordered that day, delivering all of them in one fell swoop. So I, you know what? It's so funny. I I do specifically remember some pizzeria specific vehicles. I definitely don't remember a van, but I do remember some places having like maybe a fleet of like a couple of cars. Most people had just had a little thing they put on top of their roof. But I do remember it was Domino's. They had a couple vehicles that were specifically Domino's vehicles. I mean, it could be. Definitely could be. I don't know. I don't know. But this just felt weird. And maybe this is a New Jersey thing. And me growing up in the southeastern United States, we didn't have pizza vans. We just had the 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 zit face teenager delivering things. 30 minutes away from you. (laughs) I I know. I'm just talking like the van that's in this this episode. Um, However, counterpoint. What did I like about the van? I like that Mr. Miyagi's fixing the van because you know what Miyagi knows? He knows about cars. It's a whole part of Karate Kid that Miyagi knows about cars. He's got a whole lot of cars. They're fixing a car together. It's a whole thing. I like that callback. What I I did not, one of the funniest things in this, well, so part of this episode takes place at Palisades Park, which I do not know if that's a real park or not. I didn't look it up. I should have looked it up. which it wouldn't be New Jersey without gross roller coaster safety violations. There is no one manning that roller coaster at any time. There are no safety railings for the roller coaster anywhere. <laughs> there do not appear to be lap bars or anything. Um, it's really awful. But uh, that's one thing about it. But the other thing is that, uh, of course, we have Brick, who, of course, gets his hands on the shrine because the bad guy always gets their hands on the shrine. Um, and Tina helps him do it, which is just like, Tina, I thought we were helping. Don't get me started on this. this do is, not get me started on this. I, I really, this episode is uncomfortable with seeing Tina. And like, and, well, you know what's wild about this episode is like, part of me was a little, a little amped because it, it felt like, okay, this is a follow-up to the, the first Karate Kid because, so... <laughs> Because here's the wild thing. There's at one point where the bully's like, uh, you took karate because of me, didn't you? First of first, the F of all, he didn't start taking karate until he got to California. So how does this brick character well, know that Daniel's Daniel, taking karate? Daniel did have the books that he was trying to learn karate from in the early parts of Karate Kid. Yes. Where did he get the books? I don't know. And second, second, secondly, that this is, has irritated me, I think, in not, one, not just this one episode, but it have it becomes a big sticking point is Brick has stolen the list of of the places they go to for to find this shrine, which apparently also includes every place in New Jersey, <laughs> every every uh, antique shop in New Jersey, of which there are dozens. Yeah, but why don't they have copies of this list? Why do they only have one scraggly piece of paper and why did they give it to Daniel? Oh, he no, he found the list in the. He found the list in the early parts of the episode in the 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 file cabinet in the warehouse, and he took a Polaroid picture of it. He wrote it down. 
If he took a Polaroid picture well, of no, it, he didn't why take a is he picture. chasing after this this? No, this he didn't take list. a Polaroid picture. He either stole the list or he made a copy of the list. But he, the list he had was... I thought they already had a list. No, the list is what they got from the from the the the, the warehouse. Okay, I gotta stop drinking before fish. I watch these shows. <laughs> Look, man, that's the one thing that doesn't make sense. You know what does not make sense? Do you know what is makes the least amount of sense possible, Miles? The most is it is, is it the bees? It is no, the bees also don't make sense. But actually, having having watched a lot of weird videos of like people who like remove bees from places who are super chill, I I I I think Miyagi's right. You still gonna get stung, but I hope you got your EpiPen because uh, you gonna get stung. But the the. The most unrealistic thing that I have seen in this show happens at the end of this episode. Daniel-san needs to get to Palisades Park and he takes the van to chase Brick and Tina who have the shrine. Miyagi and Taki know that they need to get there as fast as possible. What's the fastest way? The bus! No, the bus is not the fastest way. The bus is to bow to the obviously Japanese shop owner that you happen to be talking to, to make a back to the future style scooter to chase a skateboard kid to the Palisades park and then do better moves than him. If yours are like whipping this, this thing onto the wall. This is a show where Mr. Miyagi fought a Jaguar, but that is less ridiculous than the, the skateboard moves that Miyagi is doing. Miyagi's a skater boy says, see you later boy to the literal kid that is teaching him how to get to the Palisades park. It was wild. And I hate it as much as I love it. Cause I'll be honest. I kind of love it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Anyway. <sighs> yeah. The- and then, <laughs> i love how it sounds like we're just constantly struggling with how we feel about this show because there are parts of the show i'm like yeah i get it it's it, it is karate kid the show it really is <laughs> so, like i mean the whole point so so we talked about the point of of the past two episodes the point of this episode is really about daniel and the entire episode brick is is egging daniel on to fight him to throw the first punch and as we know from miyagi do karate from karate kid Karate is defensive, specifically Miyagi's form of karate is defensive, not offensive. And Daniel chooses to run and 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 not he he does not choose to fight. He does not choose to throw punches in this episode. But it's at the end of the episode with Brick and Daniel fighting at the top of a roller coaster that Daniel realizes, "Oh, I don't have to fight, but I can still use my Miyagi-Do karate moves and he is dodging all these punches and use and and Brick throws too big of a punch and throws himself almost over the edge of the the roller coaster before Daniel catches him and saves him and then the shrine flies off in a bundle of balloons the end <laughs> see you next week as the the as as the the shrine is apparently in Paris <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this this this, this show is so wild. I, I'm going to go through some of the some of the the uh, some of the, the the places here. So we've got South America. 
all of South America, not a specific place, just South America, South America, Hong Kong, New York slash New Jersey, Paris, London, Tijuana. We're back on the we're back in the uh, uh, <laughs> we're back on, on, on the, the Western Hemisphere. The Himalayas. Back in Okinawa in episode eight, which I'm sure is where we learn some of this stuff down to Australia, up to the USSR, Norway, San Francisco, and to round this out, which is an episode that I feel like we need to get to eventually somewhere in the South. <laughs> oh, oh no. The shrine has come under the possession of a, the shrine has come under the possession of a shy boy named Walter who uses the power of the shrine to shrink actual items such as railroad cars and add them to his model collection. <laughs> oh boy. Oh gosh. This show is absolutely wild. Um, I do have to say uh, to talk about a much better show, Cobra Kai, uh, it Cobra Kai, which takes karate kids one, two, and three, and also has a show Bible of other things that are canon to their universe. Karate Kid, the animated series is not canon uh, to the, the karate kid or to the Cobra Kai universe. However, that doesn't cowardice. mean it's pure cowardice. <laughs> well, that does not, however, mean that there is not a reference to it. And in fact, uh, in the second season, spoiler, uh, excuse me, season three, uh, uh, spoiler warning for season three of Cobra Kai. Uh, Daniel goes to Okinawa and re-encounter some of the people that he met in Cobra Kai, or excuse me, in Karate Kid 2. But in the Cobra Kai, or excuse me, in the Miyagi-Do Dojo that he revisits, you can see the tiny shrine in a shelf in the background. <laughs> Meaning that- Which I the, think is just a, a master stroke. That's great. It's a, it's a perfect Easter egg. It makes me want to re-watch that episode now that I've got a little taste of the show just to say, oh, I know what that is. But that's also to me just tantamount to how to why Cobra Kai is as good as it is, because they know exactly how much to include from the past. Uh, and I say that yeah. without having seen the most recent series that or season that's that's hit uh, just la uh, beginning in the last year as we record this in early 2022, 2022. Good Lord, I'm old. Um, anyway, I, I, I've actually I've only still only seen the first season. It's really good. It's a really good show. I like it a lot. I know. I, 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 I get it. There's just, there's so much great stuff to watch out there and I can't see everything. And that one has just slipped by me. It happens, man. I'm so behind on so many things. And yet I spend my time watching the karate kid animated series because this yeah, is what we done. put ourselves through. This is what we put ourselves through. But miles. Yeah. As we wrap up talking about the karate kid, what are we talking about next week on the Warrior Nerd? All right, so so next week we we follow from the Karate Kid to another thing that the eighties and nineties did was, which is take a violent R-rated thing and make it into something for children. And so we are going to watch the first three episodes of the original RoboCop animated series. I noticed you mentioned the original RoboCop animated series. Oh yes, there is more than one. So we are talking about the 1988 RoboCop animated series, not the not the kind of cool miniseries that happened a few years later. 
Oh, Alpha Commando. Well, there's Alpha Commando, but then there's also uh, there's another one. Um, in there, uh, you, you talking about Prime Directives? That was live action. That was oh, I didn't realize that was live action. Yeah, the one for okay. Sci-Fi Channel that was live action, uh, which I, I've I've seen part of and enjoy, but it, I I need to track those down. Um, we have covered a lot of RoboCop on this show. We've done the the actual TV live action TV series. We've done the first two movies. So it, it, it just felt it just felt right to continue when we're talking about animated well, series. And 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 not to not to give you guff, but it was the only R-rated property that had an animated show that you admitted to having seen. <laughs> Look, I can't I can't help it, Miles. I I have I don't I'm have not enough time making to fun watch. of you. I'm just saying it limits the conversation a little bit if you haven't seen the source material. I only <laughs> have enough time to watch the stuff I, I barely have enough time to watch it. the stuff I, I want to watch. I just said the same thing. I get it, buddy. I get it. <laughs> but Maybe maybe we'll have to do a whole a whole month on on Rambo. Look, <laughs> sometime I, you know it's funny. Uh, uh, about eighteen months ago, all of those movies, every Rambo movie showed up in like a like a Rambo one through four, maybe one through five for like nine dollars on iTunes or Amazon or something. And I picked That's it up. Bad. I own all the movies. I should never oh see. Oh my them. gosh. <laughs> Yeah, we we might have to do a some sort of a summer summer action summer or something like that this year and and kind of fill in because I've got some too. Trust me, I've got some too. But fill in some of these these holes and possibly have our buddy Travis on more than he cares to be because <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a whole lot of what you haven't seen. <laughs> yes, do check out TV's Travis's uh, Wait You Haven't Seen, uh, which he he streams on Twitch on Sunday nights and releases as a podcast which, where he takes people on. Sometimes it's movies that he's never seen. Oftentimes it's movies that his guests have never seen. Uh, both Miles and I have guested on that. Um, this might be an interesting yeah, tease for a couple of weeks. Him. <laughs> I got I got a, a list of things to to send him because I I got some I got some doozies that I think will be pretty fun. Uh, so with that said. Uh, next week, RoboCop, the animated series from 1988. Uh, it is not available to many places, but it is apparently all on YouTube, at least at the time that we're recording this. So hopefully that will stick And in around. decent quality, too. Yeah. Isn't just your typical, like, usually when we I see stuff from that era on YouTube, it's old VHS copies. These, someone released something somewhere because these are really clean. Yeah. Uh, so with that said, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can find us at themoreyounerd.com. You can tweet to us at themoreyounerd. You can go to facebook.com slash themoreyounerd. And you can email us themoreyounerd at gmail.com. That's themoreyounerd at gmail.com. And until next time, so we're gang. Gonna, oh, 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 go ahead. <laughs> so we're going to end the show as we always do. <laughs> with a rousing nerd. nerd. Out. Out.